0: You are listening to the SCC Cast, weekly teaching and preaching from Springview Community Church. Find us on the web at www.springviewcc.org. We are located at 12881 Andersonville Road in Davisburg, Michigan. We welcome you to come as you are to experience a friendly worship setting with biblical preaching, teaching, and application. Now, here's Pastor Ben Glubker. Well, turn your Bible to uh, not Exodus, Proverbs chapter 20. Exodus is a different series about three years from now, so we won't turn just yet. Proverbs chapter 20. We are in the middle of a series, a short series in the Proverbs, entitled, In All Your Ways Acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledging God. It comes from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your paths. And isn't that what we need? God, to give us wisdom, guide us, direct our paths, our job, acknowledging Him in all our ways. The proverb we're going to look at in Proverbs 20 this morning speaks into a very important question on this Father's Day morning. That question is, Do fathers matter? Do fathers matter? That question has probably never been more complicated than it is right now. We live in a cultural moment that is deeply confused and conflicted about fathers and mothers, about men and women, about boys and girls, things which seemed obvious and natural and fixed, like, say, a person's gender, are now considered artificial and arbitrary and fluid. What seemed obvious to previous generations uh, that a boy needs a father, or, or at least a, a father figure, to raise him into a man is often disputed and denied. Today there are a growing number of families with two mothers and no father at all. And the tragic reality of many many broken families, increases the strain on fatherhood even further. The question about fathers has probably never been more complicated than it is now. Do fathers matter? And if so, how? Now, the truth is that this proverb we're going to think about together this morning uh, applies not just to fathers. It, it really applies to anyone whose life influences children. It applies to mothers with their children, to grandparents with their grandchildren, aunts and uncles with their nieces and nephews, teachers with their students, youth workers with teens, children's ministry, and Awana workers with children. It applies to anyone whose life influences children. But I'm going to especially speak this morning on Father's Day to fathers. And if you're in one of those other categories, I, I encourage you to take notes and apply this to you as well, even as I mostly mentioned fathers this morning. Because the Bible does seem to take a special interest in fathers. We tend to think that raising children is primarily the mother's job. But the Bible doesn't think that way, for reasons we'll see later. The Bible speaks mostly about father's responsibility to influence the next generation. Fathers do matter. And I want to look this morning at why and how. So let's look at this verse this morning Proverbs chapter 20 we're just going to read one proverb Proverbs 20 verse 7 Proverbs 20 and verse 7 Here's what it says this is God's word The righteous who walks in his integrity blessed are his children after him The righteous who walks in his integrity blessed Are his children after him. Father, I pray you'd help us now as we consider your word, that we would see and embrace, believe the truth of what it says, and that we would in turn, by your grace, the help of your Spirit, bring it to bear on our own hearts, our own behavior, our own lives, in such a way that we would be changed, more like, more pleasing to Jesus more of a blessing to those you've put into our lives. Lord, for this we will certainly need your help. And so I pray you'd give it to us now, by your grace, for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, probably the best known proverb about raising children is Proverbs 22, verse 6. Turn over, just, probably just a page in your Bible, to Proverbs 22, verse 6. If you've spent much time in church, this proverb is probably familiar to you. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. There is a way that children should go. There is a way they should go. A couple years ago, Owen my older son and I had the chance to go to Colorado with my brother-in-law, Jeff, and his older boys, and they were going to hunt elk, and we were going to hang out and see Colorado and go hiking, and so they were gone several hours a day out doing their hunting thing, and so John and I had a lot of time together, and so one of the things I decided is that he and I were going to read through Proverbs 1 through 9, which is Solomon addressing his sons. We are going to read a proverb a day, and, and so that was just part of what we were going to do, and so uh, one day, they were getting ready to go hunting, and they, our camp was up in the mountains and so they were headed out from the camp and they're headed down down this hill literally down the side of this mountain steep no trail and we're going to go hiking like we'll just follow you and so we start down this hill not a trail there wasn't one we're fighting our way going going through the underbrush and we go for three four five minutes i'm like what are we doing why are we hiking through this once we get to the bottom we're going to have to come all the way back up i said you know what we're gonna take a different trail, and so we kind of skirted the edge of the mountain. We knew there was a trail that went out from behind our camp, and we got up to a. Uh, we skirted around for several minutes, and we got up to this trail, and we took. And this trail took us up along the top of the valley, and through these beautiful. It was just, just beautiful. We get to the top, the beautiful sights, looking down off the mountains, going through these groves of trees. Saw a lot of cool stuff, some creeks and waterfalls flowing down. Like man, I'm so glad we took this trail. Well, we got back and they're still down in the valley hunting, doing whatever they're doing. And uh, so we get back and we eat a little supper and we sit down to read and we got our Bibles open and we're reading Proverbs 2 or 3 and we're reading about the path that we're supposed to take. And as we read along, I stopped and I said, it's kind of like this, Owen. Remember earlier when we started with Uncle Jeff down the path of foolishness? And we laughed and laughed and laughed about following. We still talk about following Uncle Jeff on the path of foolishness, right? right? And then we got on a better path. Because there is a way we should go. There is a way that we should be on. There are all sorts of decisions that we make for our children. Decisions they have to make for themselves that affect their future. But there's really only two basic paths. There's really only two basic directions that they can take. There's the path of wisdom. There's the path of foolishness. There's the path of righteousness and the path of wickedness. There's God's way. There's our way. Children left to themselves will take the path of foolishness. That's the way they'll go. That's why they have to be trained. They need knowledge. They need understanding. They need to the right, be trained in the right kind of attitude. they need to be trained in the right sort of manners and behavior. They need to be trained in the faith. Left to themselves, they take the path of foolishness. They need to go on the path of wisdom, the path of righteousness. And this proverb 22:6 tells us that if we train them in these things when they're young, if you start them down that path, they'll stay on it. probably often not always not always sometimes they'll leave that path it's not a promise it's a principle though usually but certainly not always true kelly was telling me a while back about a family she knows parents are involved full-time in a ministry six kids in the family five of the kids doing great following the lord serving in ministries themselves but one one of the kids is off the rails. He grew up in the same family, trained in the same way, experienced the same thing the other kids experienced, but, but chose himself to go a different way. We don't assume parents have failed just because their children have gotten off track. But the principle is still valid, even if it's not always true. If, if we train up our children in the way they should go, much more often, they'll, they'll stay on track. They'll stay on the path of wisdom. Our responsibility is to start them down that trail. That's what Proverbs 22 is telling us, this well-known proverb. It's concerned about the things we need to be speaking to our children, training and instructing and teaching them. But our proverb in chapter 20 that we're going to focus on this morning isn't focused as much on what we're supposed to speak to our children, but on what we're supposed to be showing our children. Less about what we must say, more about what we need to be. It talks about walking in integrity. And integrity is all about aligning what we say and what we are matching up what we believe with how we behave that's what integrity is our lives integrated i don't say one thing and do another no those things are integrated what i say is what i do and what i am what i believe informs how i behave and it's not just our integrity that's at stake in this but our children's future look back in chapter 20 verse 7 our proverb this morning, look what's at stake. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Blessed. We might translate it, often do translate this word, happy. Blessed. Happy are the children of the father and mother and grandparent and so on. Happy are the children of that person who is righteous and walks in in integrity, It's the same word that we saw a couple weeks ago the queen of Sheba use when she visited Solomon and saw his wisdom and saw the life that his servants and his family and his people enjoyed because of him. And she said, happy are your men. Same word, happy are your servants, happier people. How, how blessed, she's saying, how blessed and happy a thing it must be to be part of your household, Solomon. To be counted among your people, Solomon. What a blessed, happy thing it must be. Be So might it be for our children if we're righteous and walk in our integrity. Listen, if you're parenting or you grandparenting or, or you're otherwise influencing children with some other target than their long-term blessing and happiness... What is your target? If your aim, your target, is you parent your children or grandparent your grandchildren and teach your students and minister to your young people, if your target is something other than their long-term blessing and happiness, what is your target? What is it that you're after? What is it really about? Well, here's one of the ways I think we can get off track on this. At least I can We get off track on this when we get concerned with what our children's lives say about us. We get off track when we get concerned with what our children's lives say about us. So we want our kids to get great grades, to be smart, because that reflects well on us. Look where they got that. We want our kids to be great athletes, so that our unfulfilled athletic dreams in our youth can come out vicariously in our children. I know where they got that athletic gene. Not their mother. Well, in our case, it might be. We want our kids to be talented, so people will be impressed. Boy, you have remarkable kids. We want our kids to be popular, and we feel just a little more popular we want our kids to be well dressed to look good so they'll be a little more accepted and a little more with it we tell ourselves that we want these things for our kids for their sake so that they'll be happier and at our best maybe there's some truth to that but even that's not that helpful the Bible attaches No blessing to any of those things. And at the worst, our emphasis on those kinds of things confuses our kids about what's important. About where happiness in the blessed life can really be found. We get off track when we get concerned about what our children's lives say to others about us. We get back on track when we stop concerning ourselves with what our children's lives say about us and get more concerned about what our lives are saying to them. More concerned about what they see in us. A life of righteous integrity speaks volumes to our children. It shows them how to live. It shows them the path to follow. The great Solomon himself says here, those children are blessed and happy, Those children will be blessed and happily, happy. Thankfully, you and I don't need to be as wise and wealthy as Solomon to bless our children this way. What we need to do is follow the path of wisdom and righteousness ourselves. We need to live with integrity. So, what does it mean to be righteous and walk in integrity? What does it look like? How do we do it? It looks like, to give an example, Noah. Noah, the first person in the Bible described by both of these words, righteous and integrity, although there it's translated blameless like it usually is. The first person described that way in the Bible is Noah. Noah lived in a hostile culture. He wasn't a minority in following God. He was the only one. Certainly, he must have looked out of the loop, unaccepted, going against the current. He undoubtedly faced great opposition and hostility. Building the ark, a hundred years building the ark, he must have looked like a fool. But Noah had three sons who were watching him. Three sons that saw him through it all. We take it as a, a matter of obvious fact and inevitability that they would follow in Noah's footsteps. I don't know that Noah was so sure. You remember the story of Lot later in Genesis 19? God's judgment's coming there, too. God's judgment is coming, and Lot calls his son, or soon to be son in laws, and says, Look, we've got to get out. We've got to go now. God is going to destroy this place. And what do they do to Lot? They laugh at him. Now nah, we'll stay here. Lot had been compromising his integrity for years. And when the time of judgment came, and he called on his soon-to-be son-in-laws and said, hey, we got to go, they laugh and they disregard him. Noah holds up. For a hundred years, he keeps his integrity. He believes God's word. He obeys God's word. And when the time comes, when the rain's about to fall, but hasn't yet... They follow him into the ark. There's a risk there. There's a risk that like their father, they'll look like fools. But they've spent a long time watching Noah. Blameless, righteous, a man of integrity. And they follow him and they are saved. They are blessed. Noah believed and obeyed God. He believed and obeyed God. The righteous life is not easy, but it's that simple. Believing God and obeying Him. Going His way, taking His path rather than following the path of the world or the flesh or the devil. That's what a righteous life looks like. How do we do it? How do we do it? What fuels that kind of life? Turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. All right, we're on target here. That's what we're looking for. What does the blessed life look like? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, that's not the influence he's subjecting himself to. He's not interested in what the wicked, sinning scoffers have to say, what they think or what they value. No, the blessed man, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like, it's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in his season. Its leaf doesn't wither. All he does, he prospers. You, you, you see the blessed, happy imagery here, right? It's like a tree. Its roots go deep, it draws on water, it blooms, it produces fruit. It's the kind of prosperous life you want for your children and the children in your life. And where does it come from? It comes from a life not controlled, not overly influenced, not led by the opinions, the values, and the peer pressure of sinning wicked scoffers but those who have instead delighted in God's word. God's word is speaking into their life. By contrast, verse 4, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Gone. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows it. He sees it. He's guiding it but the way of the wicked will perish. It's just two ways. There's only two paths. And the way of the wicked will certainly perish, but the way of the righteous is informed by, influenced by, led by God's Word. Fathers, that's what your children need, but that's what you need. That's what we need. A a delight in God's Word that informs how we live how we behave, what we value, what we love, how we act, how we treat people, how we treat and lead our families and our children. That's where the righteous life comes from. We have to give ourselves earnestly and deeply to God's Word. The greatest chapter on the Bible, in the Bible, Psalm 119 starts like this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. That's that word integrity from Proverbs 20. Blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. If you walk in the law of the Lord, if you're walking in God's Word and His wisdom, oh, it's far more likely your children will walk in His wisdom. You'll be blessed, they'll be blessed. This kind of righteous life comes from going deep with God in His Word. This kind of wisdom, this kind of life and righteousness and integrity that we must live can only come... From God. So. Why. Are the children. Of a righteous man of integrity. Blessed. Why is it this way. Let me suggest three things. First of all. The righteous man children. Get to be raised. By him. This is the family. You want to grow up in. This is the father you want to have. When I was a kid, I used to think sometimes that it would be nice if my friend Tommy Thompson's dad was my dad. Not because there's anything wrong with my dad, and not like I wanted to get rid of my dad. I just thought it would be nice if Tommy Thompson's dad was my dad. You know why? Tommy's house had an Atari, a ColecoVision, two video game systems. They had a bumper pool table, a pinball machine, a ping-pong table, and a swimming pool. I thought, it, if I had to have a different dad than my dad, I would like Tommy's dad to be my dad. Right. I look back at it now and I think, good grief. But <laughs> uh, how foolish and how immature. Right? George Thompson was a good guy, but I wouldn't trade my dad for him in a million years. My father is a righteous man who walks in his integrity. Not perfect, of course. There's no sinless fathers in the history of the world. But righteous nonetheless. His life is genuinely good. Shaped by wisdom. It's the kind of father you want to grow up with. It's the kind of family you want to be a part of. The children of that kind of man are blessed. So one of the reasons is because children who have that kind of father grow up with him and not a different sort of father. The second reason I think that they're blessed is because those children see, they see how to live a righteous life. They see it. It's incredibly important, but it's also a great challenge. It's important because we all know, for good or ill, how influential fathers are. For better or worse, fathers are extraordinarily influential in the lives of their children. It's remarkable to me how often children grow up and and they will, with some justification, criticize some flaw or sin or weakness in their parents. And then when those kids grow up, they'll live and act in exactly the same way. It's like what they see outweighs what they know. They grew up hating something about their father, and then grew up to be just like him. Fathers are extraordinarily influential. Our children see how to live, for better or worse, from us. They must see how to live a life of integrity, but but it's also a challenge, particularly for us, particularly in this day. In the ancient world, indeed, in, in most of human history generally. Children grew up with dad around. They wake up in the morning, dad's there. Kids didn't leave and go to school somewhere. Dad didn't leave and go to work somewhere. We all live here. And we work here, and we learn here, and grandma and grandpa probably live here too. A much more communal culture. It's only in recent, genera- last century and a half, that we increasingly get Dad leaves and goes to work, and kids leave and go to school. Families grew up close together in proximity with each other. You remember the parable that Jesus tells in Luke 11? The parable is actually about prayer. It's not about what I'm going to point out, but it's an interesting side note. In the cases of a man who rises in the middle of the night, and he's got a guest, and he goes to his neighbor, and he knocks on the door late at night. And what does the neighbor say? He says, "Uh, uh, don't bother me. The door's shut, and my children are in bed with me. Families were close, right? They sleep in the same room. They sleep in the same bed. Families were always together. Children saw Dad all the time. And they could watch and see how he lived. But I don't have to tell you, that's just not how it is anymore. It's just not like that. Our families are here, there, and everywhere, all on the same day. We're running all the time. Children go away to school They're away from their parents seven, eight hours a day. Dad, often mom, leave home and go to work. And all of this presents a real challenge that must be acknowledged and faced. Our kids are hearing a lot of other voices than just ours. They're spending a lot of time with people besides us. School, teachers, friends, media, all speaking into our children's lives. Which means, I think, at least a couple things for fathers. You may need to make some changes in your life to be more with your kids. I don't think we can really change how work goes. And in most cases, we can't change much about how school goes. It's just the way things are. But, but there may be other areas of life. There may be some decisions, maybe some, maybe some hard decisions, about changes we need to make in our schedule and our family's life to bring us together more so that our voice and our influence is stronger and greater than it currently is. The other thing I think that we need to do as fathers is we need to make the time that we have with our kids really count. And to make it really count. I'd like to rail about Families sitting around the table eating dinner and we're all on our phones and we're distracted and we all know that can happen and we all do that sometimes. But how, how do we make our lives, our time with our kids more purposeful? I know it's something that we're trying to think about, trying to work on. How can we do that so that our influence becomes greater? Children are blessed with a father who's righteous and walks his integrity. They're blessed to be raised in his home. They're blessed to see his righteous life. And boy, we have to work to, to make that happen. Both to grow in our own righteousness and to spend more time with our kids. Here's the third reason. That man's family may be blessed for generations. It may be blessed for generations. I won't take time to turn there, but in First Kings 15, there's a king named Asa. Solomon is his great-grandfather. Solomon, who wrote most of the proverbs, It's only been twenty years since Solomon died. When Asa becomes king, and what it says in First Kings fifteen eleven, it says of him as as he takes the throne. It says Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David, his father, had done. Asa's father was a man named Abijam. He was a horrible king, wicked and evil. Vizem's father was Rehoboam, also an evil king. Rehoboam's father was Solomon, mostly good. But what we see Asa doing here is he's drawing on the influence of his great-great-grandfather David. A righteous man, not sinless, we know that, but a righteous man who followed God, who was after God's own heart. And we see Asa, four generations later, following in David's footsteps it may be that way in your life in your family sometimes you have in fact often you have in the bible there'll be a great man of god and his kids don't follow god and then a generation or two down the road you no know, there they are again and god is gracious in working but just a few verses later in first kings 15 asa's king in judah the southern kingdom there's also a northern kingdom called israel they have a king named Nadab, and in verse 25 it says of Nadab, the son of Jeroboam began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. He reigned over Israel two years. He was evil in the sight of the Lord, walked in the way of his father, and in his sin which made Israel to sin. His father was Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom. Jeroboam built golden calves. And I don't want people going to Jerusalem to worship in the real temple. We'll worship up here. Set up his own idolatrous rule, and Israel never, ever, ever had a godly king. Ever, never once. Your righteous example of integrity isn't just for your children, but it may well be for generations. It may well pass down through time. We started off this morning asking, do fathers matter? Do fathers matter? And the answer, of course, is yes. But thankfully, they aren't decisive in the lives of our children God is, and I think that's good news. I think it's good news that God, in His work, in His will, in His way, is actually decisive in our children's lives. As we fathers, we slip up, we trip up, we fall short. Fathers need God's help too. You know, the most famous—I think—the most famous New Testament verse to fathers is Ephesians six four. Fathers don't don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't provoke your kids to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But that whole section of Ephesians that that's found in is all response to the first part of Ephesians, which is about what God has done in us through the gospel. Because God has changed us through Christ, we are empowered and able to live in all these different ways he's called us to, including as fathers raising our children. It's part of how we as chapter 4 of Ephesians starts, how we walk worthy of our calling in the gospel. Fathers need Christ, and our children do too. It's not our perfection that our children need to be blessed. If that's the case, there's no hope. It's not our perfection. But rather, a constant relying on God. We trust Him. We listen to Him in His word. We We repent when we start on the wrong path and we turn and go the right way. That's the kind of fathers' children need. Fathers, we're striving to follow the path of wisdom, the path of righteousness, to walk in integrity. We won't do it perfectly. Praise God for his forgiveness. But our children need to see that kind of example. The children of the father who lives like that are blessed after him. Because it's God's work that's decisive in our children. It should give us hope. Every father in here, every father in here has occasion to look back at his own fathering, his own parenting, and be discouraged. Every one of us looks back at failures and shortcomings, ways we don't measure up. None of us, I suspect, is the father we'd wish ourselves to be. But it's not too late. It just isn't too late. It's not too late to turn. Trust in God. Walk in righteous integrity before your children. And God may well be pleased, even after much time, even after many sorrows and discouragement, God may be well pleased to use you in the lives of your children even now. So don't lose heart and don't lose hope. Let's walk in integrity. We won't merely speak to train. We will show and model the righteous life God calls us to, that our children may be blessed. Father, I pray. I pray for your help. We are needy people, and we are aware that all too often we fall short. And it's easy as parents to be discouraged. It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to give up. So Lord, I I pray this morning that no parent here would do that. No grandparent or teacher or youth worker or children's ministry. No, that no person here whose lives influence children would give up on what you might want to do in them and through them in the lives of children and young people. Lord, I pray that you would give us Repentant hearts, eager to walk the path of wisdom, the path of righteousness, the path of obedience to you. For you'd give us wisdom to do that, that you'd give us, by your grace, power to do it as we go deeper and deeper with Christ in your word, trusting in him, relying on him. Lord, I pray. I pray for every father, every mother, every grandparent, every, aunt, no, every, every influencer of children here. Father, I pray for them now that they would commit themselves earnestly to this, that their aim, their ambition, their goal for their children would not be how good their children might make them look, but rather how they might show their children what it means to follow you in righteousness and integrity, to rely on you, to submit to Christ and trust Him. Father, I pray this morning for many people, many families Many parents whose hearts are grieved because their children have gone astray. Lord, I pray your gracious work in each family and in each child, drawing children, adults, back to you. Give them hearts of faith and repentance and give their parents great joy. I pray this for your glory and for our joy in you. In Jesus' name. Well, I want to thank you for coming this morning. Uh, It's been good to be here together. We send you out with these words of benediction, Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And may we go this week doing everything in the name and for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great week.